and you'll hear Peter Pan. Now that you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. He heard of Houston and Austin, so to the Texas plane he just had to go, where freedom was fighting another foe, and they needed him at the Alamo. This week we talk about the legendary Disney movie, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. But first, who is your favorite movie, Sam Houston? Well, um, I know we gave it a lot of guff when we talked about it. when we watched uh, the miniseries Texas Rising, there's a lot of, let's say, inaccuracies that we found problematic. But one of the highlights of that show was definitely the performance of the venerable Bill Paxton as Sam Houston. I enjoyed that performance quite a bit. No, it's a great performance. And uh, Native Texan, gotta love it. And a terrible movie. His performance was good. Costume was nice. It's fine. uh, we'll, We'll end it there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with my standard answer for anything. Uh, Sam Elliott and his mustache. Uh, if he's in it, then he's my favorite part. Uh, he did a TV movie. <laughs> he did a TV, TV movie in the 80s called Gone to Texas, and it was also called The Raven. Uh, yeah, and it, it was a starred, it starred him as Sam Houston and Michael Perry of Warriors and of Houston Knights fame. And his lovely feathered hair. And Xanadu. He was also in Xanadu, don't forget. So they had Xanadu star mm. play uh, Jim Bowie. I think you just hung up um, on Sam Elliott because you just watched uh, yes. You just watched The Star oh, is Born. Yeah, I did watch The Star is Born. But no, We're just going to yell at each other for a while. <laughs> grumble, grumble. <laughs> I'm sure Sam Houston did not have that mustache. Uh, he had the sideburns, but he didn't have that mustache. I'm positive. But he should have because maybe... Maybe we would have Texas wouldn't have seceded if if Sam Houston had <laughs> Sam Elliott's mustache. The the uh, mustache would have been the extra convincer for the people of Texas. I just like to see the scenes yeah, between it, him and Sam. I was like, you have, you have to curse so much, amigo. Mm. <laughs> and actually, I believe if I recall, I could be wrong, but I think Elliott had the full stash to sideburns effect going on. In this particular movie. Oh my gosh. They just connect him up. Like with powerful. a magic marker. I think, that, I think... Listen, I think you probably could put together an argument that a person could live a full life watching nothing but movies or TV shows featuring Sam Elliott in some capacity. Um, well, listen, those are good choices. And uh, I think uh, I'll take some of the best of what's left from the modern era, anyway. And uh, I'm going to say Dennis Quaid. Yeah, he's my friend, so we call him Denny sometimes. But, you know, <laughs> he was in a, he was Sam Houston in the 2004 album. It's a nice performance, and I enjoy that movie, even though, you know, some people consider it a little flawed. Uh, but, uh, you know, most movies featuring the Alamo, I like. Uh, but, you know, and also, his brother is totally off the rails. And so if he can't be in movies anymore, I'll take as much Dennis Quaid as I can. <laughs> We're going to have a uh, Jaws 3D watching party at my house later if you guys want to come. I maintain that movie is way better than the second Jaws movie. <laughs> it's actually not bad. It's it's three times better because it's in 3D. Ooh. <laughs> and it doesn't have a stalker shark. shark so. 
Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, is a 1955 adventure film produced by Walt Disney Productions. It is an edited compilation of the first three episodes of the Davy Crockett television miniseries, Davy Crockett Indian Fighter, Davy Crockett Goes to Congress, and Davy Crockett at the Alamo, which aired on the ABC Disneyland and later the Wonderful World of Disney TV series from 1954 to 1955. Yeah, so Disney had produced these programs uh, for ABC as part of his deal, which allowed Walt to build the original Disneyland theme park. Uh, he, he was able to use it to get money to build that park. Now, he wished to highlight historical figures, and they developed these three episodes on Davy Crockett, uh, and then later developed uh, several other historical characters, including uh, a Leslie Nielsen starring uh, France, uh, Francis Marion about the Revolutionary War. At any rate, the Crockett series starred a little-known cowboy actor from Texas named Fess Parker as Davy Crockett and a veteran comedic actor Buddy Ebsen, who you should all remember uh, as Jed Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies and later as Barnaby Jones. He would play the sidekick George Russell. Now, these shows sparked heated debate, with many people questioning whether Crockett was really deserving of the amount of attention that he was receiving. You know, was he really that important a historical figure? Letter writers also questioned the series' historical accuracy, even as far back as 1954. The stories leaned heavily on the dime-novel nature of Crockett's legend. Despite all this, the shows proved to be a smashing success, regardless of that debate. And by the end of the third episode, Davy Crockett became the most famous frontiersman in American history. A coonskin cap became the must-have accessory for boys and girls across America. The episodes were combined into a color feature-length movie in the summer of 1955, and Parker and his co-star Buddy Epson toured the United States, Europe, and Japan. By the end of 1955, Americans had purchased over $300 million worth of Davy Crockett merchandise. That's about $3 billion in today's money. So it was a bit of a cultural event. Yeah, and of course the song, the theme song, which was originally sung in an episode preceding the Davy Crockett, the first episode of the show, uh, sung by Fess Parker uh, as a preview. It was called The Ballad of Davy Crockett. That became uh, a number one hit uh, and then became a big top ten hit for for other artists who covered it within the span of about a year. There was actually four different versions of the songs, uh, four different versions of the song uh, that went into the top five uh, <laughs> for the uh, Billboard charts. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm pretty, pretty sure uh, when I was a kid we had that uh, that 45 that we played on our uh, Fisher Price record player. Yeah, and the most famous ones are by by Fess Parker himself, and then by Tennessee Ernie Ford. So the, those are the most famous versions of the song. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's you we. It's an interesting touch point because I'm old enough to remember watching these with my mom and her talking about, you know, just how incredible Fess Parker was. But I was a little kid, so I don't really think I got to observe the performance, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, but also, I just, I was, you know, you see that 1955, and it's just, it's a knee-jerk reaction. Anytime I I have to say 1955. It takes me right back to the future. I go, 1955? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and actually... And, and there's the yeah. actor in that that wears that... The kid who was wearing that coon skin cap and running around. You go, oh, yeah, that's right. 1955, America had 
Davy Crockett fever. And there's a there's a scene in the town square of Back to the Future. Uh, and I think there's like a sign in front of one of the stores that says we have Davy Crockett records. Can can we just do a Davy? Uh, can we just do a Back to the Future podcast now and not have okay. to talk about this movie? <laughs> well, we are going to go Back to the Future. So uh, the movie itself is broken into three parts. And so the three of us took advantage of the fact that this movie is airing right now, uh, streaming right now on Disney Plus streaming service. And all three of us are members at this point of Disney Plus. Uh, and we have gone and watched this movie. Um, and we'll let you decide if you want to go watch it yourself. You don't have to pause and go watch this movie. Uh, you yeah. probably know enough about Davy Crockett if you've listened to all of our shows that uh, you could probably follow along. But the movie is broken into three parts. As we said, the three episodes of the miniseries were Indian Fighter, Goes to Congress, and At the Alamo. And so the first part of the movie is set during the Creek War, uh, which was part of the War of 1812. It was occurring concurrently. And the Creek Indians, uh, the tribe of the Creeks, were fighting against American troops led by Andrew Jackson. And um, one thing I wanted to note, when the movie starts, they actually have a thanks to the Cherokee Nation, the Rangers of the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, and the people of Tennessee and Texas. So... I thought it was interesting that the movie itself thanks those people. Now, at, back at that time, the credits were at the beginning of the movies. So you do get all the – and they were much shorter. But you do get all the credits. So there's a, that's where the thanks is. But So at any rate, um, the Creek War is going on, and Davy Crockett uh, did fight. He uh, served in the militia uh, of the Army. Uh, the Tennessee militia at, during the Creek War, and by his own account, he spent almost the entire war uh, hunting for f- for food for the troops. Uh, but it says the movie says that he's hunting and he's he's serving as a scout for Jackson. And one of the first people you see is Jackson, Andrew Jackson. Now, Andrew Jackson in 1813 was about 45 years old, and the actor they have playing him is about 90. I mean, he's he's literally in his 80s. He's ancient. Yeah. Um, so the big scene here that starts the movie is they're going, the Jackson sends a, an officer to go get Crockett to go scout where the Creek are. And he is out hunting, except he's hunting in an unusual way. Yeah. He goes, um, to, uh, subdue a bear by grinning it down. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what it sounds like. He's going to smile a bear into submission. Yeah, but that doesn't work, so he has to use his knife to, yeah. to kill the bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That's that's how this starts, sort of uh, definitely high on the hagiography of the Davy Crockett. But um, at any rate, uh, old Jed Clampett, Buddy Epson, is his, is his partner, his running buddy, uh, and kind of his, his go-to sidekick on, in everything. They uh, go out with the officer and a troop of cavalry uh, to go scout the enemy positions to find the creeks, and they find them, and holy, holy cow. Let me just say, um, in 1955, your vision of a Native American was certainly a Plains Indian with a buffalo headdress, no matter where they were in America, (laughs) even though the Creek War was fought in southern Alabama and southern Mississippi. 
Yeah, I I'll be honest. This is at the point in the movie. I knew it was going to be hard to watch because I knew it was going to be hokey and over the top and silly by today's standards. But this is the point in the movie where I think I I texted you guys in our our Slack room and I was like, you know what? I don't know if I can finish this <laughs> because it is so blatantly and awfully um, racist. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. it's just, it's really bad. It, it's stereotype. I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond stereotype. Um, the Creek tribe uh, were one of the quote unquote civilized tribes of the, of the South, sort of like the Iroquois uh, were the quote unquote civilized tribes of the North, but in, in the, they were related to the Cherokee. Uh, they lived in the southern states. They were the the Creek and the Cherokee had a written language. Uh, they they did not wear they did probably wear buckskins, but they didn't wear like loincloths and uh, you know bone bone arm bone shirts and definitely did not have buffalo headdresses uh, because there were no buffalo in out west or east of the Mississippi. Uh, they were armed by the British. They had rifles, but in the in the movie they're all dressed like. You know, unmounted Sioux Indians, and they have bows and arrows, and they have spears. A uh, few of them have rifles, but not many. But they were, they were British allies. They were fighting a stand-up fight against uh, the American army. And so, you know, this is totally off the rails, not ahistorical. So three things I'm going to bring up. One, this is the episode where we're probably going to lose a lot of people who are fans of Davy Crockett from, you know, of people of a certain age who love this show. Because going back and watching it, I thought, I'm going to have a nostalgia for this thing and, and see it. Eh, no. Two, this is going to probably be the come and take it, okay boomer moment where everybody goes, them young whippersnappers in their 40s. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing. They... Yeah, so the first third of the movie that is about this Indian fighter is a completely unflattering, unrealistic portrayal. But that said, the I I found the location, you know, I've become such a location snob after the being emotionally scarred by Texas Rising <laughs> that just and it it the the attack on the Alamo we'll get to it a little bit but just talking about this Indian fighter location some of the stuff it at least they're kind of going through some some reasonable there's a river and there's a canoe and there's some swamps and things but it it just it it had to be pleasant enough for somebody in their living room but the fight scenes in here are they just make the Star Trek Kirk Fu look like something out of the John Wick movies. I mean, they're really... <laughs> yeah, they're very hokey. My favorite, and, and I'm, there's I'll a part where he some... gets up from a fight and they they literally had to like delete frames out to speed up the camera because Fess Parker couldn't get his, his butt off the ground fast enough to make it look exciting. <laughs> Which, yeah, you I, know, I, in the context of this movie, I'm surprised they didn't just use stock footage of some yeah. other guy in buckskins getting up off the ground. Uh, they may have. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give the movie some credit. I'll, I'll give the movie some cover at least. First of all, this is a movie made, you know, originally filmed in 1954, 1953, 1954, for children of the 1950s. And so, you know, it is not intended to be, you know, super, super historical. We're only a little, a few years removed from, a few years removed from Gone with the Wind, right? Which is a much more quality movie, although it's much more overtly racist but um it is definitely plays to a lot of 
broad stereotypes because it's for a broad audience. And I'll give it credit for that. The other thing that I'll give it credit for is even though in today's standards through today's eyes, it doesn't really work. The Davy Crockett character is portrayed as a fair person who is fair to the Indians, uh, sympathetic and empathetic to the Native Americans, as well as to uh, uh, other minorities and you know downtrodden people. So he is not you know a supremacist by any means. Uh, he's the character is is portrayed very well. It's just through an outdated mindset, right? That's that's that doesn't come across today. That's that doesn't work today. Uh, so to, to speed this up, they basically they fight the war. They beat the Indians. There's a they beat the native the Creek Indians. There's a scene where he has a, actually a hand to hand fight with the chief of the Creek nation, the war chief, uh, Red Stick, who was a real historical character. And to their credit, he this character is played by a Native American actor. So that's at least one thing that's good. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, sure he felt like an idiot in that Flintstones Order of the Buffalo hat, however. Well, yeah, that's true. But, you know, at the same time, he had he was getting work. So I'm sure that that was that was fine with him at some point. Uh, there is the great awful line where he says uh, Crockett challenges him to a fight because they're torturing Buddy Epson, who has a shirt off, which Buddy Epson was in his late 50s when he was in this movie, which is disturbing, or mid-50s. But um, he uh, uh, Crockett challenges Red Stick to a fight and says, this is according to your law, you got to fight me. And Red Stick says, engine law, no work for a white man. And I cringed, and then I cringed even further at the response, which was, white man laud work work for engine if you give it half a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, trail of tears, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know what's coming. Yeah, yeah and they go, oh, Davey, there's... Poor Davey didn't know what was coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, there's... Yeah, I could get it. If you were a... A seven-year-old who had no idea about anything in the world and for whom television was a new and exciting novelty. This this was exciting, I guess, to see. Also, but, but uh, yeah, there's, you know, I think I, the, the, we had a discussion about this before. The, the costumes are not terribly inaccurate uh, or the weaponry. So there's, you know, it's it, the setting is nice. The... Just it's it's again it's just the subject matter from a modern historical point of view is a little bit more complicated and nuanced than it's presented here. Yeah, but, but this is a very much a a tale of American exceptionalism, and it's a a morality play that the all shucks settler who is you know self self slash undereducated. And is is clearly the superior moral force, whose um, trustworthiness and and just uh, honesty is his decency. number one trait. Yes, his decency is his is his superpower. Yeah, and so he actually. So the next episode starts. If the war is over, they win. The next episode starts, and he's he's got a hankering for for new land, and so he's going, you know, further, you know, closer to the Mississippi River. Uh, and he comes across the town and he wants to settle there. Uh, but it's there's a bully that's in town that just bullies everybody. And he actually has a shoot off with him 
if you've ever seen the movie Sergeant York, there's a there's a shoot off in that where they it literally this takes literally the same trope of the Sergeant York, which is he you know, they think he's lost the shoot off, but actually he shot the bullet to the same spot twice. So it's it's a complete ripoff of the Sergeant York movie. But at any rate, um the bad guy in this one is Bigfoot Mason. Uh, he's a bully, and he's played by an actor. I want to talk about him just for a second. Uh, veteran uh, character actor, the heavy in a lot of gangster movies, Mike Mazurki, who was also a professional wrestler. Uh, and I was like, oh, I know that guy. That's Mike Mazurki. So if you've ever seen him, and he's been in a gazillion uh, you know, B-movies and film noir movies as, as the, the bad guy. And he was in the movie Night in the City. Uh, as a wrestler uh, and as a as a gangster thug, so uh, that was fun to see. But he he basically Bigfoot Mason is stealing land from from Indians who are from Cherokee who are supposed to own their land. He's taking land from him, and Davy stands up to him and whips him uh, and beats him, and then he ends up becoming the magistrate in the town, and then that leads to a political career. And he's he finds himself as a, as a legislator in Tennessee, and then eventually gets recruited to be a legislator uh, congressman in uh, with supporting Jackson in Washington, who has now become elected president. Uh, and that's that's really where Davy Crockett got into the public eye, and he supported Jackson. Uh, but what happens is when he gets to Washington, he starts to disagree with Jackson's policies, especially on the Indians, because Jackson wants to remove the Indians from east of the Mississippi and um, he, he gets sent out of, he gets asked to go on a speaking tour, which is actually a way to get him out of the, out of Washington while they're trying to pass the Indian Removal Act. And he finds out about it and gets back just in time to have a speech, uh, where he knows it's the end of his career, political career. And I think I've read that some of the, some of the parts of that speech are actually part of the record, uh, from, Davy Crockett's speech in Congress. He actually did oppose uh, the Indian Removal Act, and he's definitely cost him his political career, and that's what ended up forcing him out of politics and forcing him to Texas. So that's the I think that's the point of that Davy Crockett in Congress episode is, like you said, Mike, the decency of Davy Crockett and the goodness of this this frontiersman this self-made man well i mean it's it's easy to be cynical it's 2019 trust me it's easy to be cynical but uh thinking about this you know it was probably a, a, a he's a reasonably progressive in a sort of 1955 way he's not um any you know you go oh well he's he's sticking his thumb in Andrew Jackson's eye and you go oh wow that's you know that's not something to be taken lightly and and you kind of think about where where that position on is on it but it does take a nice it 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 has that stance on it it's just the the mood of the time and what was considered acceptable imagery it makes it very dated and so it's just one of the things if you watch it just it feels so entirely dated but I did like all of the scenes and I did like the speech before congress I mean you uh, you know, I I think Fess Parker doesn't as you know, he is a very genuine. He provides a very genuine character. So I I didn't. I, again, the performances are fine. It's just wow, just kind of interesting. The sort of 
lens as you watch these movies through the years and you say, okay, well, here's this depiction of him. Then you watch him in 2000 and, you know, Billy Bob Thornton's take in 2004. And then you watch the take that you get from, you know, you start watching the different takes that you get from different modern interpretations and you go, well, there's a, a, who, who the heck was Davy Crockett really? Because this is the idea that I carried all through school because this is what my parents and teachers growing up had seen and this was Davy Crockett for them just this shiny apple of decency and goodness did yep. you we didn't talk much in the first vignette of this is um there's a major who is put over a Crockett and he and he goes through and he's I know what I'm doing and he ends up getting several men killed and gets pinned down by Indians. And then George and Davy are able to save the day and rescue him. And then later when he's in Congress, this guy who this, uh, do you remember his name, Sean? Uh, no, I don't, but I know you're talking. Okay. About. There's he's, this he's major, major. He's kind of a fixer. He becomes a fixer for Crockett. Yeah. He's the, he, he works for Jackson and then he's the one who really is manipulating the scene to to keep Davy out of the legislature so they can ram this Indian bill through. And when you see it, you go, "Oh, okay." You know, it seems like a stock character, but there, there's, there's just it was just interesting that they're they're trying to tie some of these characters and pieces together through the vignettes. But Major to, Norton. Major Norton. Major Norton. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> Yeah, so I just yeah. I felt like they they kept a thread going on this, but at the same time you just went, "Oh, okay." But then it does reflect some historically accurate information about what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the third vignette vignette that it really really comes off the rails. Let's in a jump lot of into ways. the third vignette because the third the last if you just want to jump fast forward to the last 30 minutes of this when you launch it on your Disney app, just skip ahead to the last 30 minutes. Yeah, and that's the part that most concerns us. Is Where are we going, Davy? We're going to the <laughs> Alamo. So that's the some um, circuitous route that they get into Texas. Oh yeah, yay! We get to talk about like uh, <laughs> landscapes and, and geography. Yeah, let's get the map out. So apparently, so they... the the fastest route from Washington D.C. <laughs> to San Antonio is through Little Rock, which they say. And then you go north through Kansas, and you make a turn all the way out west, and then you come up through the Paladero Canyon, <laughs> through down Amarillo. across the Red River. Eventually, you'll get to Bernie, and then you'll kind of come in the backside of San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. that's basically the way they go. Giant but along the mountainous... way, along the way, he and his buddy, Buddy Ebsen, pick up a traveler, uh, a riverboat gambler. Played by the legendary Disney actor uh, Hans Conried, uh, who is Captain Hook. And so close your eyes during this scene and listen to him talk, and you'll hear, Peter Pan! That's what you'll hear, because <laughs> that's who it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, Captain Hook for Peter Pan plays the this guy who's running from his creditors, uh, and so he's going to the safety of war-torn revolutionary Texas with Davy freaking Crockett. Um, and along the way, they pick up... This is probably the most awful part. They pick up a, quote-unquote, Comanche warrior who's chasing after Buffalo, 
uh, and his horse gets into a prairie dog town and he gets thrown from his horse. Yeah, so they call him Busted Luck. Nick Cravat. Yeah, and he's played by the actor Nick Cravat, who is an Italian-American actor of short stature, and they've got him playing a Comanche. Uh, and Nick Cravat, actually, you have seen him probably, if you've watched old Twilight Zone episodes and seen the legendary Terror at 20,000 Feet with, uh, with uh, the aforementioned Captain Kirk. He plays the gremlin on the wing in the original <laughs> Twilight Zone episode. Yes, that is correct. And interestingly enough, he was the uh, acrobatic partner of Burt Lancaster. Oh, well, there you go. They performed as Lang and Cravat. Oh, well, he's certainly not a Comanche. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, just like, just like uh, Chief J. Strongbow, the professional wrestler who was an Italian. He is not a Comanche Indian. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and somehow yeah. he joins up with Davy Crockett and his his company of three to form a company of four, and they go to the Alamo together. Yeah. Now, for the historical record, um, Davy Crockett, when he came to Texas, he did it with many more men than three. <laughs> yeah, he started with 30, including the McCulloch yeah. brothers, who later became Texas Rangers and Civil War generals. Yes. Uh, yes. And, it was a full company of volunteers. Yeah, and by the time they got to Texas— they had 65 men. Now, in history, they entered Texas just like everybody else did. Everybody else did this. They went through Nacogdoches. That's yeah. what everybody did. They yeah. didn't go out to the Western Plains and the... And oh, just for refresh my memory, how many national forests are there in Nacogdoches? State forests? Well, yeah. four. <laughs> four. There's one open. in every direction. There's a giant forest in every direction with <laughs> I, 80 to I 90 foot have... pine trees. I think I deserve yet, a no prize because I I think I figured out Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, exists in the same universe that Texas Rising does. Oh, okay, it's an alternate. It's Texas an history. alternate geography of Texas, uh, where most of Texas is like the canyons of the Panhandle uh, in the far west, and you know Nacogdoches is a prairie with buffalo. Well, that's <laughs> it, but that's the thing is they go you go oh okay well. Maybe, maybe they just f drove around Texas or flew over it. But even if you drive across Texas, you you have to experience the majesty of of life in the pines. And also, by the way, you know the, you could just go back and listen to maybe our Jefferson episode or one of our East Tech or our episode where we talk about the movie Bernie or about a hundred other episodes out of them where you go, it's a forest. <laughs> Now, the truth is, is that like every other movie in Hollywood in the 1950s, they just went out to Monument Valley or, you know, the hills outside of California, Span Movie Ranch, before Charlie Manson took it over. And, and that's where they filmed. That's where they filmed it. That's it. I just would yeah. like, I just, to bring the Star Trek back, I'm surprised you didn't see Kirk fighting the Gorn up on that weird <laughs> Vasquez rocks or whatever that thing is called where they <laughs> Yeah. Film yeah. I'll, you know, just as a side note, I would definitely um, give the edge to Kirk Fu over uh, Davy Crockett. Davy Jitsu. Oh, yeah. Davy Jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they wake. They make it into the Alamo after the siege has started, which in history they arrived a couple of days before the siege started, um, and they find this is what was unusual. They meet a burly, big, older guy. Uh, who introduces himself as 
William, William Travis, the second in command of the Alamo. And that <laughs> yeah. was not historical at all. I think I laughed out loud when I got to that part. <laughs> I was like, what? No, sir. <laughs> we know in history that Crockett was young, very young. He was in his 20s. He was handsome and he was cocky as all get out. And he wasn't he was convinced he was in command. Uh, and then he uh, gets introduced to Jim Bowie, uh, who probably was about the in history. We talked about this with the Bowie episode and the Crockett episode that Jim Bowie was probably the only person in America besides Andrew Jackson that was as famous as Davy Crockett um, in, you know, in his lifetime. So he probably would have known that Jim Bowie was there in San Antonio and he may have even met him at one point. So uh, he uh, the thing they did get right is that they did say Bowie was sick and he'd been sick and uh, and, and in bed since uh, there'd been an accident with a cannon. Uh, and that actually did happen in history. Um, and then they have all the Alamo stuff. And let me just say, this is where I, I I've, I've seen this movie before. And this is where I always lose it on this movie in a big way. The the mission looks nothing like the Alamo. It absolutely looks horrible. It's a tiny, tiny little square. The 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 chapel is on the outside of the the walls of the fort, uh, which it sort of was, but they had a palisade wall, and that was actually where Crockett and his men were stationed. It's just it doesn't make any sense. It's it's terrible. It's it's very much a matte painting, uh, and just. It is never makes me happy. Never makes me happy at all. But they do all the Alamo stuff, yada yada. Uh, there is an a historical thing that occurs uh, with uh, Betty Epson's character, where he goes on a uh, he takes a he gets mad at Crockett, and he goes out to go give a message to Fannin and Goliad, uh, and then he comes back, and that was not him. That was Bonham, obviously in history. Hmm, so right. No, no. I think the history books might have it wrong. Walt Disney knows what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, they they do the line in the sand stuff. They do all that good stuff. And then uh, the the movie ends with the final fight. Uh, Bowie is killed. Uh, uh, Bowie is killed. Travis is killed. The Captain Hook is killed. The Indian Comanche is killed. I'm sorry. The Italian Comanche is killed. And uh, the last one standing, uh, Buddy Epson is killed trying to shoot off a cannon, and Davy Crockett is is alone swinging his rifle at the at the Mexican troops as they come in, and that's where it ends. That's where the movie ends. Oh, you got to tell you know Scott, tell him about the flag. No, <laughs> yeah. So, it, like I said, it was hard once I got from the very beginning, early on in the movie. I knew it was going to be difficult for me to watch this, and then. You know, kind of watched it casually through to the end. And then in spite of my hardened heart, um, at the end of this movie, when the uh, they show the Mexican flag fade into the Texas flag on the pole with the it was a voiceover, right? Talking about Texas winning in the end or whatever it was. I got all choked up. It's a song, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yes, that's right. There's a verse. It was last, of, of, it was last the, verse of the song. Last verse of the ballad of Davy Crockett talking about Texas winning its independence. And, you know, 30-plus years of propaganda kicked in, and I just couldn't help myself. Got all choked up. Felt my Texas pride. 
Well, I think yeah. you wouldn't be listening to this, folks, if you didn't have some Texas pride. I mean, it's it's kind of awesome that uh, this thing blew up. It was bigger than Elvis. And, you know, when you look at it, you go, wow, this was so huge. And it really ignited. The thing is, you look at it and we go, well, that's hokey. It's corny. It ignited a fire in a generation of kids and really uh, brought a lot of focus to the Alamo and to Crockett's life. And it's a big impetus between behind a lot of the historical preservation i would think that's out there too yeah it certainly is and i think that i think in a lot of ways that the john wayne alamo movie does that comes out five years later doesn't get made if it's not for this movie well and they certainly they certainly did at the very least you know the 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 Alamo Village out in in Racketville, out near Uvalde, that was built for the Alamo movie for John Wayne, is much more historically accurate depiction of of the mission at the time of the battle. So, that's one thing that they tried to get right was the the fact that they filmed it in the area where the battle occurred. It looks like Texas because it is Texas. So, that's that's one thing that that John Wayne did. And and by comparison, the John Wayne depiction of the Alamo. Uh, for all of its flaws, is practically a documentary compared to the Walt Disney version. <laughs> but you know, the, 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 I don't think I think that the big thing about the movie, I mean, the miniseries, is it did set into people's mind. It brought to the forefront that that classic, um, you know, the classic. Th- pulp version of Davy Crockett that that maybe had been around but it wasn't it wasn't something that so many people knew about there have been movies about Davy Crockett and the Alamo before uh, back to even the silent picture films uh, silent picture days but it was really Fess Parker's version that really captured people's imagination and really made Davy Crockett such a huge, huge thing and such an important part of Americana. That's really the biggest legacy. Is the is is the is more than even Davy Crockett. It's Fess Parker as Davy Crockett and the memories that our parents' generation have of Davy Crockett. That really is what's important. And it and it spurred a lot of things. You know, um, David Bowie. Uh, he, he was named David Jones, uh, and then he didn't like that name, and because also, you know, the 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 actor, the singer, and actor from the Monkees had the same name, so he chose a different name, and he chose Jim Bowie, and you know, part of that was because he'd seen uh, the TV shows about Davy Crockett and about Jim Bowie uh, on British television when he was younger. You know, Phil Collins became a massive, massive Alamo fan. Uh, and, a, and a scholar of the Alamo and a collector of Alamo memorabilia uh, and a patron of preservation of the Alamo because as a child he'd watched Bess Parker play Davy Crockett uh, on television when he was a kid in England. So it is very important and I think it's a, as a cultural touchstone it's very important in our in our in Americana. Uh, it doesn't hold up. Well I think as we wind this down, is there anyone? Are there any fun Fess Parker facts you want to leave us with, Sean? Fun Fess Parker facts. Well, Fess Parker was born in Fort Worth. He was raised on a farm near San Angelo. 
Um, he has a heavenly voice. He was a great singer. He was a uh, he was too tall to be a pilot in the U.S. Navy during World War II. He was six foot six, um, and he wasn't able to fit in an airplane. So finally, he ended up serving uh, in the Marine Corps, but he was too late to see combat. And he graduated from Hardin Simmons University, and then. <laughs> Uh, well, he didn't graduate from Hardin Simmons. He went to Hardin Simmons, then he transferred to UT Austin. So he is a Texan through and through. Very cool. Yep, love it. Just love like it. Davy Crockett. Yep. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast or on Instagram, or get yourself to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find uh, you can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. If you love this show, we'll tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash Texas Podcast, where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.